Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennant. Got a good amount to get to today. We got an interview with Patricia Trainer, giving some camp updates, talk a little about her book. Uh, it was nice to finally get her on the show. Did some writing for her, so it was a long time coming. We're doing some over-unders, and we're going to do a little camp talk of ourselves. But first, Justin, how are you doing? Hello, Bobby Skinner. How are you? Um, I'm coming to you from New York today. New York. I'm not coming to you from New Jersey. I am here in the uh, the BDGE, Big Dogs Gotta Eat. I've talked about them before. We had them on the podcast. We had Snacks and Nick on the podcast a couple weeks ago um, at the headquarters today in New York. Uh, we're just having some fun. It's Nick's birthday. Yeah, we had a nice little interview with Patricia Trainey. We talked about her book, The Big 50. She gave a lot of cool insights into players like Evan Ingram, Ryan Conley, um, who was that wide receiver that we talked about? Never heard of that wide receiver. Alex Bachman. It's going to be funny if Joe Judge comes over from the Patriots and all of a sudden some no-name white slot wide receiver Alex Bachman and David Sills, another white receiver, all of a sudden become major contributors for our team. You won't hear me complaining if we get major contributors, Bobby Skinner. How are you? I'm just, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, nice weekend, nice weekend at the beach. But we, we, we did a little bit on the yesterday show. I will yeah. say, though, today's episode is brought to you by three... Really cool people, Justin. Justin, you know who these people are? One, his Emperor Mayor. Okay? You know him on Twitter, Emperor Mayor. He said some really nice things about us yeah. a week ago, saying like when he thinks about the Giants, he thinks about us. Which is crazy. Can I, 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 I do need to take a moment where, I mean, first of all, thank you to Emperor Mayor and thank you to the rest of our patrons. But we got that tweet. It's like when, when I think of the Giants, I think of Bobby and Justin. That's kind of like a surreal moment. So thank you. It's kind of crazy. I, I love it. Emperor Mayor. Tim Coffey, who is definitely one of our biggest supporters. Mm -hmm. He's crazy. He loves us. He's a rabid fan of the Giants. I love him. Um, he, he throws threats at other people. And I, you know what? I don't stop him from doing it. I enjoy it, Justin. He Tim wishes Coffey. we were a rated R podcast. Really wishes he, it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it would be fun, but we just can't do it, Tim, even though we love you. And then the third one, this guy wasn't even a Giants fan until last offseason. Hmm. In fact, I noticed him interacting with me in... In May of 2019, or late April, and it's Brian Porras, part of Duke Gang, came over with Daniel Jones, has been one of our biggest supporters, nice. one of our earliest listeners, so Brian Porras. Justin, who are these people? Who are these people? Oh, they're our newest patrons, patreon.com backslash talking giants. For $2 a month, you can get some fun perks. I give some exclusive first looks at blogs that I publish. We do monthly giveaways for shirts, and you also get the chance to see our live streams as we record our takes. That's especially going to be really fun once we get to the season and after Giants game. So Monday night, September 14th, if you're staying up and if you're revved up after a Giants win, you get to come on and react live with us. So patreon.com backslash talking Giants, $2 a month. You support us. We thank you and we love you. For sure. All right, Justin, let's let's get into some of it before I do our over-unders in the Patricia Trainer interview. One, um, just some quick news. The Giants will be live streaming a scrimmage, um, or it might be previously recorded, but it'll be on TV, NBC4, if you get that. I'm going to try and fit, because a few people have asked, I'm going to try and figure out if there is some kind of streaming site, whether it's illegal or whatnot, and we'll try and tweet it out. Um, if you do miss it, the Giants will have it on their website like an hour after it's done. So, you know, I am I need to watch it live, but if you're not like jonesing to watch it live, it, it will be available. So that'll be interesting. I, I think. Next Monday's show is going to be fun because we're going to have a lot of takes coming out of that. They'll be doing that the next two weekends. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pumped. Do you have NBC4 on your internet, on your on your cable plan? Yes, yes, I very much do. NBC4, I mean, even if you don't have 
technically like a cable plan. That's just still one of the basic packet basic channels that comes with TVs. You might I need tried to have logging into today. your account today and it didn't work. Maybe it was it the wrong password. All right, we'll we'll talk about that. But regardless, I Bobby, different ways. I mean, I, mean, I literally thank, look right at what you said. Thank God that we're having this scrimmage because it's struggle city for takes right now. But I feel I still feel uncomfy about, hey, I kind of want to talk about training camp. I kind of want to have this take about this player, take about that. Again, because we're just so hidden from everything. Thank God we're actually going to have this scrimmage where it's something substantially that we can talk about, and the scrimmage is going to be aired on TV. Yes, yeah, some multiple plays in a row. Because obviously I'm sharing some clips. The Giants, people are sharing clips. and You can't, get, you can't really get anything substantial from that. You can't. That and, man, like... I thought it was funny, and I thought this is the perfect example. I post a picture of Julian Love where they have tennis balls taped to his hands, and I said, and I it was more of a joke tweet. I was like, why does Julian Love have rocks taped to his hands? And, you know, it's tennis balls. And I literally had five different explanations of what it was. It was one uh, to strengthen the fingertips. Um, the one that made the most sense was to not be grabbing in coverage and teach you the not grabbing coverage. Mm. That one actually made the most sense. Um, one to improve your catching. One and there was total diff like all these different ones. It's like okay, so most of you are wrong. Maybe one person is right. I thought the one was right, but I, I you know, I, I I wasn't a DB, but I never saw a DBs doing that. So uh, I love that. And then I post a clip of like Saquon blocking against Blake Martinez, and people, I don't think people understand that in one on ones, it's geared for the defense and being pushed back a yard or two in one on ones isn't bad so just an overreaction there was one of, of Andrew Thomas versus Leonard Williams and someone said that it was going to snap Andrew Thomas's back in the half it's like no actually he did the hop back he sh- you know it wasn't a perfect rep but it wasn't a bad rep either kept his legs under him yeah the reaction to these one-on-one clips has made me lose my mind and there's bad angles you know and my favorite though is like when Daniel Jones throws a pick to Darnay Holmes or can we do we have to be more excited about Darnay Holmes catching a pick or Daniel Jones throwing a pick, or more worried about Daniel Jones throwing a pick. Well, some people ask that as like a legitimate question, where I don't know if I'm going to be excited. But also, how about when you watch a training camp clip, why not just watch the training camp clip and be like, okay, this happened, and not have to have some sort of major take from it? I don't really feel the need for that, and that's why it's kind of frustrating. But I'm really looking forward to this weekend. That's that's the main thing. Yeah, I'm really that- really looking forward to this weekend where I can actually feel better. But hey. I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing somewhat of a big sample size from this. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, that's the other thing is like we don't even have a good angle of this, you know. No. So hopefully the scrimmage will give us a, like a ground angle is like impossible to judge. You can't even see three quarters of the field. I will say college football Twitter though, I do love it. I mean, if we post a clip of Derek Dillon, Jamar Chase is retweeting us. Yeah, I posted one of Tay Crowder, and I mean Giants or uh, Bulldog or Georgia Bulldog blogs. We're blogging it. Their coaches were retweeting it. I mean, they just go crazy. College football Twitter is nuts. The bit, the most interaction I've ever gotten on tweets was like the first weekend of college football last year where I decided to like tweet videos. And it was the most interaction I ever got. I get a lot of interaction from Cowboys Twitter. Whenever I mention Jason Garrett in a tweet, uh, Cowboy, more, more Cowboy fans find it than actual Giants fans. And also Taco Charlton retweeted me once. Great first round pick for them. Why did he tweet you? Because I made a video of him. I the, So when I downloaded that app that Bobby and I use for our videos, I downloaded that app and I wanted to try out and practice on a game myself before I actually covered the Giants last year. So it was the 49er Cowboy 
um, preseason game from last year, and I covered that. And I did it just the first half. You know, I was like, hey, here's a here's a little clip of Tony Pollard just in case Ezekiel Elliott holds out. And Taco Charlton absolutely like murdered Nick Mullins. And I'm like, all right, I have to make a video of this. And he retweeted it. Right on. I once <laughs> another I I asked if Demarcus Lawrence was a scumbag because he hit a kicker after a play. So we we get um interaction by uh clipping Cowboys defensive ends, even though Taco is now with the Dolphins. Is nah, he even he on might, a team? He might be gone. He, he he might not even have a job. Pretty sure. Mm. No no job taco is what they call him. Mm. All right, just I mean, I mean, do you have anything else? Uh, Ryan Conley has been out, which is alarming. But with Joe Judge in charge, we really have no clue because they don't give us any information on injuries. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough because he's coming off the torn ACL. You know, he almost had the whole season to recover from it, but um, it's that's tough. It's a tough situation, especially when I thought that we were hearing that maybe he was flying around. And now he's been inactive for a few days. Patricia Traney is, I actually asked her directly, like, can we have some sort of pure, like, concrete Ryan Conley update? Because I feel everything has been so vague and it's been um, so ambiguous. So we got a concrete uh, Ryan Conley update um, from Patricia Traney, which he's been out for a couple days. I won't give all of it away. And also Darius Slayton left the practice field today. But because, again, Joe Judge isn't letting us know anything, uh, we don't exactly know why. I just hope it's not a hamstring or a lower body injury, which... Odds are it is a lower body injury since that's why you would leave practice this time of year. I mean, it could be an upper body too. I, I would rather have that than a lower body injury, 100%. Well, speaking of odds, Justin, my name is Bobby Skinner, and I'm telling you that there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all their customers including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using promo code JOMBOY. Not John, JOM, M, as in Michael. Then enter DraftKings free football survivor pool. Yes, it is really that easy to claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win a $100 million cash prize. While the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds, boosts, and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every day to celebrate this week's baseball and golf action. Get a little basketball in there too. You know, Lakers, Luka, he's been, he's been hot. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBOY to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code JOMBOY to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Other team terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Luca had a nice little Euro step. Um, this past weekend and paul george basketball i'm so out on paul george what a loser paul george is consistently getting single points and the the nerve that that guy had to call himself playoff p i mean just he's a loser he he is a loser it's a first round game you are heavily favored you have Kawhi possession by possession just carry your team marcus morris making big shots lou williams and you're just a loser paul george is a flat-out loser justin What's the series at right now? 
It's tied 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two, and you know right. what? That's Porzingis fun. was out of game. The first game, he got kicked out. It's, Dallas isn't even at full strength. Fun series. Fun series. Excited to see it how is. it's going to wrap up. I thought it would be the best series in the first round. I'm glad Heat Pacers is over. What a boring series. I'm glad my nets are done. I could finally move on. I can finally actually move on to the Kevin Durant era. I wasn't, I you know, for me, I get, I get lost in every Nets game. So now I'm glad it's over. We suck. Trade Spencer Dinwiddie. Find a coach. Win me a ring, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then get out. Win me a ring so I can say my Nets are champions, and I can always claim over my friends my teams won a championship. And then just move on, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. Bet the over on DraftKings for Luka next game. Use code JOMBOY, J-O-M-B-O-Y. Bet the, I wonder if you can like do over on points, rebounds, assists. With Luka, it'd probably be like 70 or something like that. Boom. All right, Justin, let's do some Giants over-unders. Sponsored by DraftKings. Yeah, by DraftKings. We have this authority to say that the segment's sponsored by DraftKings. It is. It is sponsored by DraftKings. I literally did a minute ad sponsoring it. <laughs> All right, Justin, let's start at the top. And I, I mean, I took some notes on this. Let's start with wins, though. Six and a half. Now, this is your first time listening. I am of the mindset. I cannot predict myself to be a loser. And I feel like I'm a part of the Giants. Justin, I'm a 16-0 type of guy. Will you win every game? So, at 6.5, I'm going over. And I don't think that's that's super unrealistic either. I get we have a super tough schedule. But the offense should be improved. The defense should be improved. Um, you know, hopefully it's not as bad. We can't be as not healthy as last year. Like, we can't count on full health. But we can't be as unhealthy as we were on offense last year. So, I'm going over. Yeah, it honestly does depend on how we can do escaping the first four games of the season, which that's Steelers, Bears, 49ers, Rams, or even Cowboys. That's the first five games of the season. Very, very tough defenses, very, very tough secondaries, especially in the first four games. If we can escape those first five games, especially the four games, and we're at somewhere maybe around two and two, then you feel good about where you can go after that because then we have a couple divisional games against Washington, Philly, uh, Tampa, you feel like is a winnable team. Uh, I, I feel like that's a winnable game, Bobby. Um, and then you have Cincy, Arizona, Cleveland um, to kind of finish off the season in there as well with some other divisional matchups. Bobby, you know I'm going to be an opt. I'm going to be an optimist too because DraftKings, you your line was six and a half. DraftKings line is also at six and a half. I'm going to say over and give me seven. Over seven, seven and nine. That that would actually feel good, even though we'd hate it in the moment. Well, I mean, you would. We would maybe make the playoffs with this new playoff format. We have no idea what that's going to look like. Dude, I, I Jones for a playoff game so bad. Just, just to have that feeling of like do or die. Mm-hmm. And I would love that feeling to not be week thirteen. You know, where there's do or die, where it's like we have to win out. Right. Um. So yeah, I'm going over. Um. I will never predict my team to lose because I'm a winner. So get we'll get that one out of the way. The rest of them, I'm going to be as realistic as possible. Let's start with the QB, Justin. Uh, I put Daniel Jones over under at touchdowns at 30. Yeah, DraftKings has him over under 25 and a half. Yeah, well, this is this is what I did. I formulated it. I know the Giants better than DraftKings. That's just facts. Whoa. Um, Fact, not opinion. Exactly. And it doesn't care about your feelings. Daniel Jones, 30 touchdowns. If he were at the same rate of 2019, it was two touchdowns per game, which have landed him at 32. That included a five-touchdown game against Washington, uh, a four-touchdown game against the Jets, the Lions. And I feel like there was one other four-touchdown. No, there wasn't. No. Um, 
there was Tampa. He had four total, but two were rushing. And this, this we're only going passing for this. Justin, I think Daniel Jones will definitely be better this season, but I'm going to go under, and I, th- I think it's slightly. And I wanted to put it at the 30 number because you know I want to put high expectations on it. But I'm going to go under. I see him being somewhere in that 20, you know, like the 26 to 28, 29 area. One we had a lot of times we went to the passing game in the one yard line. I think. Garrett is really going to try and pound it in in those yeah. goal line situations with Saquon. You know, we don't really have like the size for goal line fades or anything, so we'll be wasting plays on that kind of stuff. But I really think they're going to try and pound it in at the at the goal line area. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go under, but just barely. Yeah, I'm going over DraftKings. I'm hammering that the 25 and a half, but I am going under 30. So I, I mean, I guess you would also go over that 25 and a half mark as well. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's not a matter of Daniel. If Daniel Jones doesn't eclipse 30 touchdowns this year, it doesn't mean he's having a bad year. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you usually lead the NFL with around 35, 36 touchdowns per year. <laughs> you know, that's usually around the NFL leader. So or Patrick Daniel, Mahomes had like 90, you know, a well, years ago. Well, I think Lamar led the league. Didn't Lamar lead the league? Yeah, Mahomes was out last year. Lamar yeah. pro- Lamar did lead. I don't know what his number was. No, but overall, even if you hit 40, I mean, if Daniel Jones is throwing for around 30 touchdowns, I mean, I also don't you're not we're not judging quarterback performances based off of how many touchdowns you throw. Um I do. there's there's touchdowns are important. There, there's a lot of other the but there's a lot of other things that go into quarterback play. I mean, if Saquon Barkley is pounding the ball in uh, at the one yard line 15 times this year, and that's taking away five touchdowns from Daniel Jones. I mean, we, you have to look at things situationally, Bobby. You know, uh, Golden Tate could be tackled inside the five, the one yard, uh, five yard line uh, 10 times this year. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster two years ago was tackled inside like the three I'm playing yard line the other end of that where guys have high touchdown numbers. Yeah. And they're like, well, touchdowns are random. It's like, well, you got to throw well, the ball in the end zone are. and make it complete. Well, they kind of are because, like, I was, yeah, but I was you can't saying, say that on you can't say that on the hot when it's on the high end because the, the person is throwing it in the end zone of the biggest oh, moments. I get if the guy has a low uh, a down year and like, hey, they just ran the ball in a little more. But when guys' yeah. numbers are high, that's the goal of playing quarterback is throwing yeah. it into the end zone for touchdowns. I wonder if they have because they have Saquon Barkley rushing yards. It was very very tough. I mean, if you even want to just look up New York Giants season player prop bets for 2020, it's very hard to find sometimes. They don't have very many, so I did my own. They, I, yeah, I so, used math. I didn't go randomly. I I calculated guys meet career averages and yeah. included like possible games missed. So we'll see. But for, ex- I, but for example, so Bobby, let's even do this right now. Saquon Barkley uh, had 11 touchdowns his rookie year Let's just say over under 12 and a half for this year. I kind of want to say over. 12 and a half rushing touchdowns. How many did he have last year? He had last year six. 13 yeah, games. I mean, I could see it being I could see it being over. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that. So all right. So Daniel Jones, next on the list. Ten and a half fumbles. And that I'm I'm including I'm not just fumbles lost, just fumbles. He had 18 in 2019. Obviously, it was the biggest issue of his game. So I put it at a 10 and a half. I, I I hate to sound like an optimist, but I'm going under. I feel like him cutting that number in half is not realistic. Go look at the league leader in fumbles each year. It's the best QBs in the game. Like there, it's very like you'll get a, some random ones in there, but it's usually some of the best QBs in the game. You look at their year after, and it's different. We want to talk about touchdowns being random. Fumbles can be kind of random. He's put in the work. He's put in the work for ball security. He's gotten stronger. You know, we talked with Anthony Boone, the different types of drills he used to, you know, to hold on to the ball. 
I don't think him cutting that number in half is crazy, especially when you consider that we don't have the worst, the least productive left tackle in the game playing for us, where Andrew Thomas is going to slide in there with his pocket presence. That makes it better. So I'm, I'm, I think he can cut that number in half, Justin. Yeah, I'm going to say over um, simply because I do think that he's still going to be a quarterback that's going to hold on to the ball for, you know, he's not going to really cut down that number in terms of his average time to throw. And I really do think, Bobby, these defenses that we're going up in these, you know, especially towards the start of the season, it's going to be rough. I think it's going to take time for this offense to really get going and really get clicking. New offensive scheme. I mean, how many? I made a funny little clip of like a minute and a half of Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard all saying, oh, all we're doing is learning the new system, learning the new system, learning the new system. Um, so that's what they're doing. Probably going to be a, it may be a rough start to the season offensively. And that may be manifested in Daniel Jones possibly fumbling the ball a few times. Well, I want to look at one of our former QBs, Eli Manning. You may have heard of him. And you know what? Eli held on to the ball, you know, until these past four years. But, you know, starting in 27, 13, that's over. Five, under. 13, over. And then seven, eight, five, seven, seven. And then in 2015, he had 11. And like, Eli wasn't like... Like he had some fumble issues at times. So what years were you reading off of, by the way? I start from I started from 2007, where he had. Oh, okay. Let me let me go from his second year, where he started every game. Nine, nine, thirteen, five, thirteen, seven, eight, five, seven, seven, eleven, uh, tw- and then 2016, seven, eleven, seven, three. Yeah, because basically you need to take out 2014 to. 20- yeah, the first time around, 19. I didn't read any of that. But before yeah. that, he held on. To, like, he was known for holding on to the ball and being a gunslinger. So, and, you know, he had times where he fumbled the ball. So, um, that's Carson what I'm Wentz is also with. Carson Wentz is also a guy that uh, that I've seen on uh, on Twitter. He gets a lot of hate for fumbling the ball. His rookie year, he had 14. He jumped down to 9, jumped down to 9 in 18. 17 and 18, jumped down to 9. Carson Wentz in 2019 had... 16 fumbles. So that's where a lot of Giants fans on Twitter, oh, you want to point to Daniel Jones fumbling the ball where Carson Wentz fumbles too. So it could be random. Um, I still say over 10. All right. All right. Because someone doesn't believe in our franchise QB. <laughs> I'm going to sick the listeners against you. All right. I'll, I'm interested to see where you stand on this one. Saquon, 1,300 rushing yards. In 2018, he had 1,307. 2019, he had 1,003. But he also missed three games, so he was he was um, close to on pace, but not exactly. He averages in his career about 80 yards per game, which at that rate for 16 games would be 12.75, so 25 less. Both seasons, he's averaged 16 carries per game. Justin, if at the same average he were added two carries per game, that would put him at 14.80. I'm going over. I I I think rookie Saquon at 1307 yards. I think that is definitely doable. And I think he'll get two more carries per game from Jason Garrett. I really do. Um, you can say the whole playing from behind passing, but you know what? We were playing from behind in all those games. So like at, at that rate, he was able to get 16. Hopefully he's healthy this year. He doesn't have a stretch where he's, you know, has a one-yard game against the Jets and, and just those bad games. So I, I'm going over on this one. Yeah, and uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is pretty similar to you as, as well. 12.50.5 on their sportsbook. Um, I'm going to read you DeMarco Murray's 2014 stat line. And I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley is almost going to have a year where he rushes t- around 2,000 yards. But if there is a season that I look at in, in the past where I think this is where I think this Giants team is building up towards, 
this is it. 2014 in DeMarco Murray in 16 games had 392 attempts, 1845 yards, 13 touchdowns with a yards per attempt average of 4.7. DeMarco Murray also caught the ball, caught almost 60 balls, and I didn't know he was that much of a pass catcher, which is kind of insane. But that's just an insane season. And what you had that season is really Dallas controlling the time of possession from the start of the game to the finish. Did not have an exceptional defense that year. They went 12-4, and efficient passing from Romo, pounding the rock with DeMarco Murray. So, Bobby, I'm also going to agree with you and go 1,300 because and over 1,300, because if the Giants are doing it right, and if they are playing to the strengths of their team, they're playing like having, uh, you know, like that 2014 Dallas offense where it's an efficient passing offense and then pounding the rock with Saquon Barkley, who I view as a much more talented back than DeMarco Murray. Yes, for sure. All right, another one with Saquon. I put the over-under for catches at 70 because his rookie year he had 91. Um... This past season with Daniel Jones, he had 52, so I put it at the median of that. Over or under 70 catches for Saquon Barkley. I go under. I go yeah. under. I think there's too many mounts to feed uh, on this Giants offense. Now, I'm not going much under. You know, Saquon Barkley could have a could have a season of, you know, 60 catches, and that's still an amazing se- catching pass-catching season for a running back. Um, but I think with the acquisition of Deion Lewis here, there's a chance that Deion Lewis could be taking some third down carries or third down appearances, third down snaps away from Saquon Barkley, which I'm not hating it. There's a chance that they could have Deion Lewis and Saquon Barkley on the field at the same time and intentionally target Deion Lewis. If we're talking about Evan Ingram being here for a long period of time, then I think targets are going to be given to him in the intermediate part of the field instead of Saquon Barkley. Um, and you're hoping that more that you know some of these wide receivers can be relied on a little bit more, uh, including Darius Slayton, not just being a hey, I'm going to throw the ball to you 20 yards down the field, and maybe we can rely on him a little bit more um, past the sticks, just not as far down the field. Besides just posts and streaks, so I think there's a lot of targets to be had on this offense, and Saquon Barkley may see a catch hit in that regard. Right. Yeah, I'm going under as well, um, echoing the. There's just so many mouths to feed. Whether, you know, the three wide receivers, Ingram, Caden Smith. Um, the fact that Jones, when he goes through his progressions, he likes to check back to the tight end. And in this in this Garrett offense, I think that will be installed a little more. That being said, they're going to want to get Saquon involved in the passing game. So I do think there's going to be some more design stuff for Saquon. I think Saquon's going to line up out wide a little more often. Um, you know, like there's a play against Arizona, third down, and Jones takes a sack. But if he would have looked to his left, Saquon was wide for a slant. And honestly, it could have went for a touchdown. Um, you think about that Chicago game where he he misses the catch on the wheel route where that could have been a touchdown. Um, so I think Saquon's going to have a much better receiving year, like more effective receiving um, targets. But I do have the number under 70. I think it's just too much with so many mouths to feed on this offense. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, next, let's hit up some of the wide receivers. Darius Slayton. I went, I, I got a little um, aggressive with his number with touchdowns. Nine and a half. He had eight last year in 14 games. Justin, where, where, where do you stand on the nine and a half with Slayton? Yeah, here's the thing, because we just said on his PPP, could we see more than double-digit touchdowns? And we were like, yes, why not? 66% of the snaps, he had eight touchdowns last year. And that eight touchdowns last year was uh, um, 15th in the league, and it was tied. I think it was tied for ninth, ninth in the league. Um, Kenny Galladay led the league last year with 11 touchdowns, and he stood on his own with that 11 touchdowns. 
But Bobby, you know, you still just get the feeling now, regardless of, you know, whether receiving touchdowns, you know, again, it could be random and also a singular receiver not catching as many touchdowns as maybe they used to be. You know, think of Calvin Johnson catching a lot of touchdowns. Julio Jones has never been a touchdown guy to begin with. But I still want to say that the Giants are really, really going to go to Slayton. They're going to go to him in the red zone. He's going to get his big plays. He's going to have his touchdown receptions of over 25 plus yards. He had five of them last year. So, Bobby, what's what's our line? Did we say nine and a half? You know, Optimus, I'm going, I'm going over. It's stupid. Kenny Galladay led the league last year with 11, which basically we're saying that Darius Slayton is almost going to lead the National Football League in touchdown receptions. But yeah, but that's got to be a it. down year for touchdowns, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I'm look yeah, just based off of 2019. Um, I was shocked to when I was talking with I was talking with the guys from BDGE, and they was like, "Oh, well, that's that's absurd. Uh, Vegas would never have that kind of line." But also, we're not Vegas; we're a Giants podcast. So, so there's that. But I'm trying to think realistically, but also somewhat of a Giants fan, and I'm gonna say over. Okay, I'm going over to. I mean, look the year see, before Antonio. Here, yeah. let me go the year before 2018. Antonio Brown with. 15 I mean you had you had nine guys in double digits you know and then three more guys at nine I'm gonna go over I I, the more that I look at this I think I'm being a little too optimistic but I think in this air Coriel offense which is predicated on having someone deep to stretch the field and open things underneath I think Jones who likes to sling the ball downfield Slayton is the guy to do it you know we saw Tate get some of those but I think this year it's going to be more Slayton-based on those deep taking shot kind of things. I mean, he had three double-digit touchdowns games where he had two. Um, you can see him throwing a three-touchdown like touchdown game in there. And he's pretty good at yak, where these guys underneath, if teams are focusing on that Y stick that Jason Garrett and Jason Witten love so much, that opens things up for a guy to catch you know, uh, a, a dig route and to just, to just seam it up the middle. So I think I th- I'm going over. I I think I'm. This is the one I might be a little most uh, over optimistic on, but I'm, I already wrote down over, so I'm going over. Yeah, because there's also a chance that Sterling Shepard could see a, a a rise in his touchdowns this year, and I think it's simply because if we utilize Sterling Shepard more with quick out routes, um, he's a smart guy that he can find holes in zones. We already talked about this with his PPP there's a chance that his touchdown total can rise, which as a result, if, if one guy's touchdown total is rising, another guy's is going down. I, I feel a little optimistic now that I said. All right, let's 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 go with one that I'm going to go under. Golden Tate, 65 catches under. You look at his career, and you would think this is a crazy under, Justin. But I looked at his, like his six games where he had the trio of Shepard and Slayton with him, and at a 16-game rate, that would have been 51 catches for him. A little over three catches per game. You add Ingram in there. You add like Saquon pounding the rock in, um, and get you know having him more involved. Caden Smith. It's another one of those mouths to feed, and I think he's the number three wide receiver on this team. And to say over on the number three wide receiver, and the hope that Ingram and Caden Smith are involved and Saquon's involved. I'm go- I'm going under with Tate. Yeah. Um. Again, mouths to feed. And I'm looking at passes completed last year because we're saying, oh, Saquon Barkley may be catching 55 to 60 balls. We're saying that Darius Slayton may be also catching some 60 catches as well. I actually got some I got some uh, hate on Twitter today because I said 60 catches. Uh, and, I, and I think a lot of people are expecting higher. 
If Sterling Shepard's on the field, we're expecting 85 to 100 catches from him. So somebody's going to have to go down. Somebody's going to have to go down. And, you know, typically, you know, passes right. completed. Matt Ryan led the league last year with 408. Kyler Murray was 10th with 350. Um, so you're thinking that Jones may, you know, will hopefully be around maybe that 350 mark of passes completed. And there's so many mounts to feed. So Tate, it's going to be close because really there's been one year of Tate's career. Um, 2013, he had 64 catches. And then from 2013 all the way going towards even 2018 when he was with two teams, he had 74 balls caught. Um, and he's been on the field for 15, 16 games every single year. So it's going to be tough. I think Tate's role is going to continue to change, you know, being another year older and with this Giants offense. Um, I'm also going to go slightly under. Yeah. Like, like you said, I mean, I think he's the odd man out with those where Slayton is going to be the guy to stretch the field, get those those long catches. And then Shepard, who is the next category, is going to be, I feel like, the best wide receiver on the team, the best, um, like the guy that Jones trusts the most to like get out of his routes and stuff. So let's, let's hit it with Shepard. I put him at 950 yards. Justin, if you look at uh, a lot, like those trio numbers, that would have put him at 850 last year. Um, his 2019 pace, if you just go by his yards per game, would have been 921. Um, his pace the year um, where Odell was in and out of the lineup, um, or not not that year, but the, the year before uh, his pace was 1,064, the game where he missed some games due to like uh, migraines. Justin, he's the best wide receiver on the team. And we have a QB who we trust. He's the best wide receiver on the team. Concussions are random. Okay. I, 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 I don't think I, I don't think concussions are like a oh, this guy's a cr- like chronic concussion getter, unless it's someone that just leaves with their head and stuff. And the concussions that Shepard had, one was on a blocking play, and the second was he just landed and he hit his head on a on a deep ball. So I'm not going to predict that he's going to get concussions. Evan Ingram, you can you can play the ooh like I don't trust him to stay healthy. But Shepard has played 16 games, two out of um two at two out of the four years he's been in there. So I'm I'm not going to predict him to not play 16 games, and I'm going to go over because I think he's going to be the best wide receiver on this team. I don't think it's going to be much over, but I do I, I expect our number one wide receiver to get a thousand yards, and that's what I'm basing it off of. Yeah, I, I I'm for that. And believe me, you know, you know that I've been the biggest Sterling Shepard fan pretty much. I think out of all Giants podcasters, I think I've hyped up Sterling Shepard the most this offseason. Bobby, even if he catches 85 balls, I really do think he's going to average around 10 to 10 10 and a half yards per reception. He's no longer averaging 13 and 12 yards per reception like he was in 2018 and 2017. So that year that you were talking about, how he was struggling with migraines in 2017, he was averaging 12 and a half yards per reception. So that's I'm I'm seeing really a two and a half yard difference there. So if he catches 85 yard 85 balls, he averages around 10 yards per reception. That's 850 yards. I'm going over. I think. Sterling Shepard, he's going to get a lot, a lot of catches. Just don't think the yards per reception, he's not going to be a, a, a big play guy. That's what Tate's going to do. Um, that's what Slayton's going to do. So I think the yards per reception is going to be the, the one of the reasons why, if he does play 16 games, why he doesn't get past 950 yards. All right. The, we're running long. So let's go rapid fire. We have five more. Evan Ingram, I put the number at 650 yards. Um. My notes on it, he had uh, 50 yards, 52 yards per game, which is the median of his career, whereas 46 is rookie year, 58 this year, 52 um, in the year middle. Um, that feels right. And at 52 yards per game, 12 and a half games would get him to that 650 yards. So I'm going to go under on the games. I'm going to go 12 games or less. 
Um, he still has a screw in his foot. I'm going under on that. Prove to me he could play. If he plays 16 games, this is an easy over. But uh, I'm I'm not. He hasn't played a full 16 games his entire and and one year. Yeah, Bobby. So the fact I'm that go, that I'm screw is still in under. his foot, um, and I've been talking with some of my fantasy friends. Uh, that's bad. I mean, usually guys they get that screw taken out of their foot, and then they're somewhat on a good track. The fact that it's still in his foot is it's it's a bad it's bad news for him. It's a bad sign for him. I wish I kind of uh, really knew enough about the health ramifications of things when we recorded his PPP. Uh, I'm going under 650 yards, which I think that's your that's your over under for yards. And then if it's 12 games, I I'm going under 12 games well, as well. Regardless, there's going to be a stretch. Of I the didn't do of the an year. over under on the games. I said 12, oh. 12 and a half games would get him to 650 yards at 52 yards per game. So in my mind, I'm saying less than 12 games, which makes him less than 600 yes, videos. which I'm, I'm 100% with you. That, that screw in his foot. I know we want to be optimistic Giants fans, but we're also going to be here to tell you real, real facts. Um, bad news. Screw in his foot is bad news. All right. Leonard Williams, four and a half sacks before Over. people laugh and say Over. half a sack. In 2015, he had three sacks. In 2016, he had seven sacks. In 2017, he had two sacks. In 2018, he had five sacks. This last year, he had a half a sack. So two out of the five years of his career, he's been over. I'm still going under. Over. Uh, a lot of guys in the middle. Um, he didn't finish last year. We got some guys on the edge we like. Um, not anybody we like super trust, but guys we like. I'm going under. And it's, I don't think it's too much of an indictment, but I'm going under with this number. Over. PFF New York Giants put out a stat today that uh, I, got, I had some inappropriate action happening at the bottom of my pants. QB hits, among interior, QB hits among interior defensive linemen since 2015. Aaron Donald, 93. Leonard Williams with 82. 82. What's 93 minus 82? That's 11. There's a difference of 11 QB hits between Aaron Donald and Leonard Williams since 2015. Third place, Fletcher Cox with 64. Fletcher Cox with just 64. So you want to know what, Bobby? He had an amazing pace of pressure last year on a 16-game rate. He suited up eight games for us last year. He had a nice rate of collecting consistent pressure. And there was a few games where he didn't even he – he barely even collected snaps. But the games that he was in, he had an impact in. I think getting the consistent pressure is more correlated to getting sacks the next year. Give me over four and a half sacks on Leonard Williams. All right, speaking of someone that's night like Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Dexter Lawrence, nine and a half combined tackles for a loss and sacks. Uh, in 2019, he had two and a half sacks, three and a half tackle or three tackles for a loss, which places him at five and a half. Um, I looked at Dalvin Thomason. He had ten and a half. I expect Dexter Lawrence to become the best interior off- offensive lineman or defensive lineman on this team. Um, in two out of his three years in college, he would have been on pace for this. Um, one year, well over. I have big expectations for Dexter Lawrence. Come in. He's been working out with some of the best defensive linemen in the in the country. I'm going over on this one. Really depends on what his snap share is. I mean, we saw uh, all fluctuating things uh, between those our, our big three interior defensive linemen. Um, I'm going to say under because I'm expecting Dalvin Tomlinson to get more snaps this year. Um, Leonard Williams, he's going to be on the field. I really do think that he's our best interior defensive lineman right now. He's the best pass rusher, I think, in my opinion. So, uh, Dexter Lawrence, his snap share may take a hit this year, not because he's not performing, but because Dalvin Tomlinson, he's on the contract year. Um, and I think they may want to give him some shots. This new coaching staff may want to give him some more shots. Increase that snap percentage from 55%. Uh, I'm going slightly under. 
All right, Blake Martinez, 140 tackles. He's been over every year of the last three years, around 144 to 148. Um, I'm going under. I think teams are going to pass on us a little more than they probably did Green Bay. I think they're going to try and attack our corners and see what they can do. Uh, the big boys that we just mentioned up front, I think they're going to wrap up some tackles that you know Blake Martinez would have got in Green Bay. Um, I think Peppers and those type of safeties with Love, McKinney, they have that reign to be aggressive, where Peppers was on pace for over 100 tackles last year. Um, Conley, hopefully, if he's healthy, he's a guy that's going to come and clean up. So like, like you know, Martinez will play it right, and Martinez will or Conley will come from the backside. Um, I'm I'm going to go under. Yeah, I think the safeties, uh, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, Jabril Peppers, they're all going to be involved, and they're all going to be getting a lot of tackles. You already said Jabril Peppers was on pace for over 100 tackles, which I just learned that. Um, a couple of days ago, I was doing some digging on Pro Football Reference. Uh, still think Blake Martinez is probably still going to get over 125 tackles, which is still wild, still crazy when you think about it. Uh, but 140, that's that's wild. Um, definitely under. Okay, and then the last one, corners. Six and a half interceptions. Are you going over or under? Corners. No, this is strictly corners. Are we counting safeties as corners? No safeties. Ooh. Only corners. Under. I think – Last year, Janoris Jenkins was our only corner, yeah. and he got four interceptions. Bradbury, he got three interceptions for Carolina last year. I think Holmes is going to get some picks this year. I don't think – even if he struggles, I think he's the guy that's going to get picks. I mean, we've seen that out of training camp um, from the – you know, we haven't been able to watch. But I think one thing with Holmes is that he will get interceptions. He may struggle, but he'll get interceptions. But I'm looking at the year before. I mean, our corners, two from Janoris Jenkins – and one from B.W. Webb. Oh, man. We're also playing a lot of man coverage this year, too. So, you know, you're hoping that uh, – you're, you're hoping that the wide receiver separation that these – that the opposing offenses are going to get are less because we're playing tight man coverage towards the line of scrimmage. You're hoping that's the case. So, Screw Bobby, it. I'm going over. You're going over? Well, I already wrote it down. Over. Our cornerback number two right now, uh, That that's going to be a thing that we have to get answered during a – <laughs> we have to get an answer during these scrimmages. All right. We have an interview with Patricia Train. Very nice. Uh, I was glad to get her on the show. We talked a little bit about her book. Um, we'll put the links for that and everything. Don't forget to do that, Justin, when you're editing. Put the links in it. Um, gave some camp stuff. So a lot of fun. Here's Patricia Trainer. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa! Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the program uh, a very respected beat writer for Sports Illustrated. She's been on the beat for some time. Patricia Trina, Patty, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, guys. How are you? Good, good. Glad to glad to finally get you on. It's been a. I mean, I'll I'll start it off with this. How's camp been? I know it's it's a whole different year for you. What I mean, what's different? I mean. What are like some of the new challenges you guys have with uh, these new regulations? Well, it's definitely been challenging because, you know, you have to social distance, obviously. You have to wear a mask, both things that we're not interest, not uh, used to doing. And the biggest thing from a reporting perspective is you can't get as detailed as you'd like to because, you know, that's just league rules. They don't want you tweeting out, for example, um, personnel packages or or alignments or all the good stuff we used to be able to share with all the, the readers and listeners. So that's been a little tricky and 
you know, but we're, we're adjusting. We're doing the best we can. And hopefully the coverage is, is uh, stacking up for everybody. Yeah. So Patty, once again, thank you for coming on. And also thank you for all the work that you do, despite the difficult circumstances that are happening right now of being a Giants beat reporter. Uh, I want to first ask you about your book. You're coming out with the book. It's called The Men and the Moments That Made the New York Giants, The Big 50. There's also a forward by Ernie Accorsi in there. So especially someone, I also host the Giants History Podcast. I'm really looking forward to diving into that book, reading it, and possibly talking about it on that show. But why don't you tell us about it? Give it a, give it a little promo. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's a book called The Big 50, The New York Giants Men and Moments, as you said. And basically, I went through every single year, every era of the New York Giants franchise history, picked out uh, 50 of the top men and moments who, who made the Giant franchise what it is today. It was a very hard task. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, I probably could have done a, a thousand easily uh, men in moments because there's just been so much in the Giants 95 plus year history. But um, so it has uh, pictures. We were able to get some pictures. We were able to get some uh, firsthand reporting, some stories that I don't think are either widely known or, or known at all. Um, and just what I tried to do is I tried to create a really interesting and fun read for everybody at the same time. I know I, I rely on a lot of historical stuff when I write, you know, I do a lot of comparison and uh, all this stuff that I talk about, you know, in, in my articles and stuff, you can find some of this stuff in the book and it's, it was just a real fun project for me. Yeah. It sounds like, and, and Justin, uh, Justin said that he does the giants history and what he does like uh, Sal, or uh, what, what's his name, uh, Justin, where you just you read a chapter, go through it, tell stories. I, uh, so we're we're definitely looking forward to that one. And I know Justin will look forward to going through each person and, and uh, remembering what's what's an example of somebody that's in there. We don't you don't have to give a number. We don't have to spoil. But like who's somebody that maybe people want to think about that might be in there if you can spoil a little bit. Uh, well, I have uh, if we're talking about like the real old days, uh, Mel Hine is in there. Um, Frank Gifford is mentioned. Uh, oh gosh, I tried to get as many guys in there. There's so many in there. Dick Lynch, I, I know, was mentioned. Um, some of the more recent guys, obviously, Eli is in there. Uh, the Giants offensive line, there's a chapter devoted to the Giants offensive line called Eli's Guys, which oh, I think man. a lot of people are going to like because that group was quite a, they were quite the group, quite the group of characters. So I think a lot of people are going to enjoy that chapter. Harry Carson's in there. LT, of course, is in there. Um, uh, Sam Huff is in there. Oh, gosh, it's just so many. And I, I feel like I've left people out. And if I did, I didn't mean to. But, you know, that just goes to show you how deep this franchise's history really is. And like I said, it was just a fun reading. Also, for me, considering that I've been, you know, covering this team for over 20 years, it was actually a good lesson for me to go back and learn the history the way that I did with all the research. So now I have a better understanding, a better appreciation, um, especially about, you know, like the 1927, the first year that they won any kind of championship, the founding of the team and just all that stuff is just, you know, was just so much fun to, to uncover and learn about. Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of names I didn't know, so I'll definitely learn, but the listeners can't see how much my face brightened up when you mentioned Eli's guys because those five from from deal to McKenzie I always say those those five are my football heroes in the way they were stick together and be like a true brotherhood so I definitely think I 
I might have to like skip forward to that chapter and then get the rest <laughs> later. But uh, you definitely definitely brighten my day that I know that those guys are in there and as a group like they would like to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I didn't get to talk to all of them. Unfortunately, I talked to, I want to say about three, three fifths of them. And, you know, it's funny when I was putting the chapter together, they were telling me the stories and the pranks and the stuff they used to do. And here I am, I'm trying to decide, okay, should I put this in? Should I not put this in? Because they really like to break each other's horns, you know, back in the day. Yeah. But that just goes to show you how tight knit they were, that they were able to get, you know, get away f with all that. And, you know, they also brought Eli into you know the mix you know they would pull pranks on him and he would pull pranks on them and it was just it it's just such a brotherhood and just I think that chapter in itself and it is a fun chapter um it just kind of gives you an overview of just how tight that locker room was especially during that 2007-2008 uh time period yeah so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that but to the guys that are on the field now so Obviously, you guys, your guys' rules are a little more restrictive, so we obviously have to dance around that a little bit. But I want to talk about some players and some people that names that have been coming out that have been surprising. And Patty, the name that I've seen that has been the most surprising. I mean, if you ask me, you know, five guys I wouldn't expect to be hearing about. One of them's Devonte Downs, that inside linebacker. And there's, you know, we've heard that he's getting reps out there. One like. Is he really out there next to Martinez? And two, I mean, what is he flashing that has got him out there with that first group? Well, you know, what's interesting about Devontae Downs, we had uh, the, the uh, inside linebacker coach on, on the call today, Kevin Shear, and I asked him about him. I, I said to him, you know, look, this is a kid who in, in his final year at uh, in college had suffered a knee injury. I said, you know, he, then he came out in the draft. He was a seventh-round pick of the Vikings. I said, did it take him like two years to really bounce back from that? Because, you know, we hear about ACLs and knee injuries and all that stuff and how it can take up to two years for a guy to really come back to his pre-injury self. And the coach didn't even know that. He says, oh, I didn't even know he was injured till you told me that. But um, kind of what I'm getting at is, is I suspect with Devontae Downs, that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't stick around with Minnesota. Uh, you look at his film, and we did a film study on him in on Giants country um, that's up now. And, uh, you know, we saw flashes and special teams of a guy who had instincts, a guy who had, you know, quickness, a guy who found himself around the ball, limited um, snaps on the defense, but you saw enough to, to make you think, okay, maybe this guy can line up an inside linebacker and, and show that sideline to sideline speed that you need and, you know, sniff balls out and anticipate, um, you know, potential plays out of the backfield and all that stuff. So just a guy who's really smart and who just seems to have taken to this defense like a duck in water. And speaking of instincts and quickness and also guys coming off of torn ACL, I want to stick within the same depth chart of interior linebacker and talk about Ryan Conley. I feel like there's been scattered maybe updates and not really maybe a clear update on Ryan Conley and how he's adjusting back from his torn ACL and how he's adjusting back onto the field. I know the last couple of days uh, he's been in, you know, he's been off the practice field, on the practice field. What maybe can you give us on Ryan Conley, some thoughts about how he's uh, how he's looking out on the field? Well, I'll be honest with you. He's a little bit of a question mark right now. He hasn't practiced since last Friday. Um, he 
initially uh, we were told by Joe Judge that, you know, it was kind of a maintenance type of day, you know, that they, they wear the GPS tracking devices and they, they use that data to determine when to back off on a guy versus when to allow them to go. But, you know, they, they, he didn't practice Friday. They had Saturday off. They had a walkthrough practice on Sunday. He didn't take part in that and he didn't take part in today's practice. That's, that's really a four-day stretch or three practices in a four-day stretch that he was missing. So I, would, I have to wonder if something maybe is brewing there. Did he have some kind of setback? Is he experiencing some soreness? I mean, by now you would have thought that he, he would be rested up and ready to go, but uh, he hasn't been out there. And, I, and, and quite honestly, I don't know what's going on there because Joe Judge has been very um, – He's been very uh, generic and very uh, secretive about some of the injuries that they have had. So I, I just have my suspicions because, look, if it was a case of just rest the guy, you would think one day and he would be back. And he hasn't come back yet. So what, what else can you conclude? Right. So I'll, I'll stay on that because, obviously, you know, Cortor's, Cody Cortor is ACL. So, you, you know, you can't, you can't hide around that. But there has been some guys who, like, you know, especially it seemed like today or, to, or yesterday when people are listening to this, that there were some guys leaving the field and on the sideline. Is Joe Judge really keeping, like, the cards that tight to his chest that it's just, like, you know, a guy, like, so are, is, he, is he keeping it that tight to where a guy might be injured and might even have, like, a two, three-week injury and they are just keeping it that quiet? Yeah, I mean, think about it for a minute here. Do they really have to – tell anybody i mean they don't have to file injury reports until the first week of the season so why give any competition coming up any kind of advantage by making you think you know by saying oh you know let's say for example this is hypothetical ryan Connolly is going to be sidelined for three to four weeks why, why would you want to give that information out now so you know it's it's frustrating i get it for the fans and maybe for the media but you know remember where's judge coming from he's coming from the school of belichick and sabin and they were notorious for being very very uh generic and vanilla with injuries and that sort of thing so this is not really a surprise yeah it's it's good for the team but you know like patty you told me last week you know you guys weren't allowed to live tweet besides a scrimmage as a fan i i respect it but I'm just like dying inside. Like I need to, I need to find out what's going on. But but also when it comes to these injuries, though, I will say I would rather not hear anything than have a coaching staff like Pat Shermer throw Sterling Shepard back out there a week after he broke his thumb. So I I guess <laughs> if we have to have a middle way and a middle pathway, um, I guess I will I will accept that. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> very true. I mean, again, you know why. Why put it? Why create panic? I mean, sometimes yeah. guys, you know, heal up quicker, and and you know, meanwhile, you've just caused people's blood pressure to go up fifty points. I mean, why do why do that? I mean, see where you're at when when the time comes, and that's that's one thing Joe Judge has done a really good job of. He's done a good job of staying, you know, and I, I'm going to use a a Shermer term here, but staying in the moment and not getting too far ahead of himself. Right. So. A position that's wide open is that wide receiver four spot. And I guess you could kind of say wide receiver four to five because Cody core is out. Who is the, who is the guy that is, seems to be standing out obviously besides, you know, Slayton Shepard and Tate. And what is he doing out there? Like what kind of like play style is he using? Um, well, you know what? The beauty of that receiver group 
is that I think it's kind of a tight competition beyond that number three spot. You know, you've got Cody Core, who's looking to, to make his way back. Um, no, I'm sorry, Corey Coleman, not Cody Core. He's on the IR. Right. So you've got Corey Coleman coming, you know, trying to make his way back. And he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, you can, you can barely tell that he had any kind of issue last year. And then you've got the three undrafted free agents, you know, Benjamin Victor, Austin Mack, Derek Dillon, David Sills is another guy. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I know intrigued me at the start of all this. And um, there's another guy, Alec Bachman, who kind of reminds me a little bit of Phil McConkie. I'm going back in time now here. Um, I, 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 Bobby, you might remember who I'm talking about. I, 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 I didn't get to see him, but I know the name and I know the number 80. So I bet you it, it really uh, flashes the memory. Yeah. I mean, what, what I like about Bachman is, he, you know, Phil McConkie was a, a high energy guy. You know, he was a guy that I think was maybe like a, a fourth, a fifth receiver. He was the punt returner for that 86 championship team. And um, he, he hustled. It, it, no matter what um, you asked him to do, you know, whatever the drill was, he hustled. And, you know, you watch the post-practice sprints and there's Alec Bachman, you know, hustling he has to be the first guy so you can just see the competitive streak and you know a lot of people say oh so what it's just it's just you know sprints but that tells you a lot about a guy's mindset you know this tells you who's serious about you know looking to make this team and who's you know kind of just winging it right yeah it's it's funny because you know like you mentioned the three undrafted free agent guys david sills who's a guy i liked a lot Corey coleman but Bachman's name has been popping out there, and they've even shared some clips, you know, from the scrimmage where he got a touchdown, I believe. Today they had, a, you know, uh, Jones throwing a pass to him. So it's been surprising to see that name when, you know, going into this camp, uh, a lot like Devontae Downs, you would have never thought that his name would be popping out. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny, Bobby, because a lot of people got on Dave Gettleman. And, and I admit, I, I didn't understand the move either at the time. I thought for sure they would dip – into this deep wide receiver class in the draft and they would take at least one guy, maybe not, you know, first day or second day, but at least on the third day. And they, they didn't, they waited until the draft was over to sign guys. And, you know, you go back and you look at, you know, what they have now. And, and in retrospect, you say, ah, now it makes sense, you know, because they, they obviously, they liked Sills and Bachman, both of whom were on the practice squad last year. So they were holdovers from the previous staff. And, um, you know, this current staff liked, liked these guys enough. Remember, Ty Tolbert was the receivers coach last year. So, you know, Tolbert thought enough of these guys to say, yes, these are guys that could potentially fit into Jason Garrett's offense and what he's doing. So here they are. They have the opportunity. Now we'll both make the, the roster. I can't say that for sure. But certainly, you know, if they can produce on special teams, which is going to be their ticket, um, you could see one of them at least, you know, really pushing for a roster spot at the bottom of the depth chart there. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about Bachman and his hustle. Um, you know, almost that slot that Cody Core has unfortunately left open because of his torn ACL. You know, Bachman could be that special teams guy that slides in because he shows that effort. So I, I, that's an awesome tidbit. I want to move to Evan Ingram for for a quick second because uh, I feel like the, there's there are certain players every summer that the Giants account and the Giants social media team that they really hype up. 
And I think Evan Ingram is one of those guys where we're seeing a lot of videos. We're seeing a lot of attention being given towards Evan Ingram. I think what they're trying to really trying to do is give the confirmation to Giants fans that, hey, Evan Ingram is actually okay. So I want to ask, he still has that screw in his foot. And he's coming off the injury and he's coming off the surgery from last season. I just want your overall thoughts, your observations. You've been there. You've seen camp. How is he looking out of the field? Is he looking full speed? And also, did he bulk up a little bit? He looks a little bit thicker this uh, this training camp. He definitely did change his body shape a little bit. He I, actually, I think he looks a little sleeker. If you it, you know, I don't know, bulk is the right word, or may, maybe it's because muscle doesn't take up as much space as fat or whatever. But um, he looks sleeker for sure. And you watch him run, and you would not know that that he has a screw in his foot. You know, he he's moving around no problem. You know, the thing with Evan Ingram, and I know a lot of people get down on him because of the injury issue. And I have said this, and I will continue to say this until I have no more breath in me. I believe the Giants coaching staff in the beginning didn't use him properly. I mean, if you think about it, Ingram was often asked to block a guy who was 30 to 40 pounds heavier than him. And, you know, he's, he's a willing blocker. He's a strong kid. I don't want to take that away from him, but the laws of physics say you're just not going to win that matchup. You're just, you know, you put mass versus mass and, you know, the heavier mass is going to anchor better. So they, they didn't put him more as a receiver, you know, put him in the slot, split him out wide, put him from the backfield. These are all things that this kid can do and do very well. And I just, I never understood why, you know, we would see it in practice. You know, we would see it during the OTAs and whatnot, but we, we wouldn't see it in games. And I never really understood the reason for that. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's kind of a make or break year for him where, you know, he it's just when he's in there, it's so exciting and he makes plays and then, you know, but he just hasn't stayed healthy, so it's going to be interesting to see. Patricia, uh, we're running low on time. We appreciate you coming on. For all our listeners, obviously, make sure to go follow Patricia. We'll share all your ads at Patricia underscore Trina. And go check out her pinned tweet. You can get a chance to win a free copy of the book. We're definitely going to be ordering it, uh, so I can't wait to give it a read. Patty, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad we were finally able to connect. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I'm the best. All right. Thanks again for uh, Patricia Trainer coming on. Make sure to go follow her and check out the book. Like, I'm not a big reader, but I feel like that way of like, hey, 50 people, I feel like that's a, like an easy way to read. And, you know, I just got to get it just to read about the offensive lineman. Um, so I'm looking forward to that book. I mean, any, you got anything before we head out of here, Justin? Justin? Yeah, over that book's over 300 pages, which somebody who, you know, who is now relying on getting content for Giants history, because uh, I have the, you know, I have Bleeding Blue. I'm um, really looking forward to diving into that. Uh, Bobby Skinner, just just excited for this weekend. Excited to get into this weekend. Um, I know we, you know, what, it's, it's, only, it's only Tuesday. Crap. It's only Tuesday. Hey, we've got player profiles and projections all this week. We'll have another episode this week. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll have you, we have you covered going up to game day. It's going to be fun. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Until then, let's go Big Blue.